We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Shannon Sharp just broke every single rule of journalism that exists. Which would be awesome. I, no, it would not be awesome. It would not be awesome. That's not awesome. There's literally, there's a, there's this, this thing called the SPJ, the Society of Professional Journalists. And they have this PDF of all the rules that you have to follow if you're a journalist. Shannon broke at least seven or eight. Doing that. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode, the 10th episode of the Stay Hot Sports Podcast. Um, I'm introing today. Matt is here. He's got some technical difficulties where we can't see his face, but the producers have assured me that we'll put up a picture of him that paints him in the best light possible. So we don't have his camera today, but we do have his mic. We have his voice and we got me and Bladen on the camera and we're going to talk about you know, the Julio Jones, there's a lot of different angles to, to talk about with that whole fiasco that broke this morning. The NBA playoffs were happening all weekend. Great game. So we got a lot to get into. Matt, Bladen, how are you doing? Theo, I just want to say that was a great intro. Well, thank you. You know, I'm noticing a pattern where Bladen makes a point of saying how good the intro or the outro <laughs> is every single time I'm not the one doing it. <laughs> It's no, it's no offense to you. It's no offense to you, Matt. <laughs> is this Bladen demanding a trade? Is this Bladen <laughs> saying that he want, he's unhappy with the Stay Hot podcast? Demanding, and this demanding is him. a trade. He's requesting a trade to, uh, I don't know, what's another, uh, Bill Simmons ringer, I don't know, some <laughs> other podcast? Is that what this is? Join uh, Dave Frodnoy. <laughs> he's unhappy with uh, he's unhappy with his co-host Spawn Hour. 
No, but there is there was a trade request that happened this morning with uh, or I mean it was pretty much I, can, a trade can request. You call it a, can you call it? I don't it know a trade what you request? can call that, but um, that was wild on the undisputed with Skip and Shannon. Um, they called Julio Jones, and I'm not sure that it was unprompted. I'm not sure that Julio didn't know that that was going to happen, but. The way they presented it made it seem like Julio had no idea what was going on, that Shannon just called him and straight up point blank asked him live on air, do you want to trade or will you be back in Atlanta? And Julio said, I'm I'm pretty much, I'm not going back. Yeah. And then he said, do you want to come to Dallas? And then he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's oh that story. I don't think people quite realize how insane that is because, I mean, I, I'd like to get, I've been talking here with the intro, but. Right. That's crazy what they did. And I, I I don't think that's ever been done before. Like they just straight up call someone and be like, hey, you know, are you doing this? I get the idea that like it's so ridiculous for Shannon to do that, that there's no way that he would just do that out of the blue. Like Julio must have known. But at the same time, why would they plan to do that? That makes no sense at all. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know. Well, it might be. It's good for Julio if he wants to be out of Atlanta. This probably speeds that up a little bit. So yeah, if you are yeah. Julio or you're his agent and you did this and you planted this, you have done what you have set out to do if he wants to be out of Atlanta. And he said, I want to be on a winner. I don't want to go. He kind of laid out what he did and didn't exactly. want. He said he wants to be on, on, live, a on, on live TV. So now the Falcons are very clear of what's going. Everyone's very clear. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I can see that, you know, maybe being a, a plan for them. And I that would be super sneaky. So either that happened, which is a very shrewd, sneaky move by the agent, or Shannon Sharp just broke every single rule of journalism that exists. Which would be awesome. I, no, it would not be awesome. It would not be awesome. That's no, not awesome. I mean, it's going to be great for ratings. You can't tell me that's not that's bad. Be- that's bad. No, you that's can't bad. tell me. I took a, I took a sports ethics, a, a ethics and diversity in sports journalism class. And, and you're not is, on TV. I'm not on TV. Shannon does. I guess the ends justify the means, but I mean, that's, that's like he broke. There's literally, there's a, there's this this thing called the SPJ, the society of professional journalists. And they have this PDF of all the rules that you have to follow. If you're a journalist, (laughs) Shannon broke at least seven or eight. (laughs) And he could get, he could get in big trouble. If Julio is mad at him, and like he could get fired. See, that's the thing. If Julio doesn't didn't know that he was live, that's where I think it becomes an issue. Oh yeah, I mean they they could be they could be screwed if he didn't know. Regardless, it'll be fun to see how it plays oh, out. Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> it gonna will. Be, it's it will be. be great to see. But like Jesus, the one thing about the Julio trade is that we don't really have any confirmed places that yeah. we know are showing interest at this moment. We have a bunch of rumors like, oh, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Patriots. But I, as far as I, I've seen, nobody has been like reported to actually be interested. No, in it, it, it's all speculation. It's all speculation. Yeah, so I think we know he's going to be moved, but where do you think he's going to go? I mean, one of my favorite landing spots, I tweeted it out. You know, the Colts, I think, could be a really good one. The Patriots are another yeah. one I'm kind of interested in. Um, but I think the main thing is they have... 
they have to be able to afford him. He has a pretty pretty hefty contract. You have to be able to afford Julio, but not just this year. You have to be able to afford him next year. And there's a lot of teams where people are like, oh, he should go to the Ravens or he should go to the Browns. They're not going to be able to afford him next year. So I I, I don't know. They're, they're, that's, what would that's the Browns the do with Julio? I, I have no idea. I don't know why they would need to spend I, I, any I don't more have money this, to receiver. It makes bro, no sense. They don't, they don't even know what to do with Odell. How, you, you think they can figure out what to do when they add Julio to the mix? No. I mean, everyone could use Julio, right? Like you yeah. can, if you can, your team is Great better player. with Julio Jones on it, on it. <laughs> but with the contract and his age and the injuries that he just had, you've got to be pretty much in win now, like win right now. You're a playoff contender that needs one more piece. If you're a team like, I don't know, the Lions. If you're a team like, he won't go to the Lions. He won't go to. The I would Lions. be willing to bet. He, no, I mean, it yeah, and he wants to go to the winner. Yeah, he right, but go to it. The yeah, there, it has to be a team that is somewhat good with a lot of cap room, and they, there's just not yeah. a There ton are two of teams. teams that are competing with over $10 million in cap room and could actually reasonably use him, and I think that's the Patriots and the Colts. The yep. Chargers, I think they're too – I don't think they're going to make the a big Chargers trade for the receiver. The Chargers are a couple years out, I think. I, I don't even think that they're not competing now. I just think they don't want to trade big money for a receiver. Washington just made the playoffs, but they've already invested so much in receiver. I don't, Yeah, I mean, they could, but I, I don't see them as super likely to do that. Browns don't make sense. Broncos don't make sense. Bengals don't make sense. Um, and the, so Patri I, the Patriots do make sense. And that every time the, pa the Patriots are not afraid to make big moves like that. But at the same time, it seems like every time that there is some good player that wants to get traded, the Patriots are the number one team that everyone every jersey time, swaps every, time. every single time. It's, it's, and honest, be, will Belichick make the move? And, for, and this is this such isn't a the Belichick first time, thing to do every time. This isn't the first time Julio's even been rumored to get traded to the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, these have been rumors. We talked about this a little bit on the last episode. I said I thought the trade rumors were legit, and it appears that they are. Uh, yeah. But I don't know where he'll end up. I think that I still think the Titans are the spot where if I had to put money on one team, I'd put it on them, but I haven't really checked their, <laughs> maybe that works out. Half a million dollars in effective cap space right now. Uh, according to well, <laughs> well, which doesn't bode well for getting Julio Jones. No, on the it doesn't. I can't lie. But, yeah. No, it doesn't. But maybe so if we'll they see. want to restructure, they do have 20 million in effective next year. So yeah, yeah. you can always do use of restructure magic. So I don't know. I feel like the Titans make the most sense from like, if you ignore the money side of it and just yeah. assume that they're wizards over there can figure that out. <laughs> um, contending from a team, team building aspect. needs a, needs a wide receiver, but yeah, I don't know where it'll end up. I think Patriots, I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is. It's always the Patriots that are going to trade for the big but, guy. But the Patriots make sense. They need a they receiver this, and they have the money to do it. actually makes yeah, sense. Like, it does actually make sense this time. I think the right. Colts make a lot of sense too if they want. Yeah. Um, that would really help. I, think, I, think, I don't yeah, know I though because they traded, I don't know how this works and this might be exposing myself and my ignorance a little bit, but they traded that second round that could turn into a first next year, right? For Wentz, if they hit certain requirements, yes. mm -hmm. it will turn into a first round. So that can they trade? No, that, yeah, I'm almost certain that means that they can't trade either of those picks. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I think too. So that would probably be, they could probably get out, out bid if they can't trade a first oh, or yeah. a second. So I don't know where he ends up, but it, I don't think he's back in Atlanta after what happened this oh, morning. No way. And I don't know. And the other thing is like, <laughs> I don't know if, if, if he, he's mad about what happened with Shannon Sharp, 
like undisputed, like is in a ton of trouble, like a ton of trouble because that's not, that might not be legal. Like, I'm not sure what it means legally, but like from a, a a journalism ethics perspective that breaks every single rule. (laughs) That's going to be so lame. If that takes out Shannon Sharp, that's going to be so the end of his career. Yeah. No, Shannon Sharp's fun to watch. He is. They, they both of those two are are clowns, but uh, you know they're entertaining at the very least. And that was entertainment. What happened this morning? I guess oh, so. For sure. All should right. So some, uh, yeah, yeah let's let's NBA? move in to the NBA. And I mean, I said <laughs> I said yeah, John well, you, Morant. you know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Last episode, you had something to say about John Morant, <laughs> and since then, he has been on fire. So. And what Aiden. Exactly, yeah. What exactly about your comments do you think made John ja Morant step up his game? <laughs> <laughs> some people are just like that in the playoffs, I guess. Like some some hey, players Theo, just seem Theo, to have if it makes you feel any better. I lit a fire under Luca. So Well, Luca already had <laughs> he literally played like a normal Luca game against the Mavericks. That's like or not against the Mavericks, against the Clippers. He just played normal. Anyway, I, everything I said about basketball in the last two episodes have been wrong. So maybe I should let you guys <laughs> we, yeah, talk a little bit. We did not <laughs> have a good basketball episode as a group, yeah. but there's there's a lot I want to talk about. John Morant's my guy. He's a South Carolina guy. I think he's from like Sumter or something. But he has just taken it to another level because you're not wrong. You weren't wrong when you said that John Morant is not particularly efficient. You're not wrong about that. Um, he is kind of like a little bit of a Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, where he kind of has the same general efficiency problems at times. Um, but the Warriors in the playing game were daring him to shoot, and he shot, and he was making his three. He hit him yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he hit like 50% on 10 attempts or something ridiculous. And then against Utah, I don't think he had any threes that game, but he was taking a bunch of floaters, and you know he was doing – relatively well efficiency wise and Dylan Brooks has just been insane. I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Brooks has been, there's always a guy in the playoffs last year was the Pacers guy. Was it TJ Warren? I mean, that was yeah. the bubble, not the playoffs, right? But there always seems to be, or hero is probably the, the bigger name of like some guy who just makes a name for himself in the playoffs by just going, going crazy when the lights are bright. And that right now is probably Brooks where he's going to be a household name by the end of this series. I don't know if Memphis can reasonably challenge Utah in a seven game series. I would love to think it because nobody wanted uh, Memphis here. I wanted Memphis to beat the Warriors, uh, but nobody wanted Memphis here. They're up a game, but Mitchell didn't play. They gave Rudy Gobert some problems, but he got fouled out. I don't know. I'm still not loving their odds, but I'm very happy to see them at least go one game and see job ball out. For sure. And one thing that's interesting is the Jazz are kind of all pissed at each other and the yeah. front office right now because we don't know why. Well, we do know why. Mitchell was held out game one due to an injury that Mitchell didn't think was a big deal. It kind of blindsided the team, like the players that their star Mitchell was out. And after the, after the game, they were all kind of taking passive aggressive shots or just straight up aggressive shots at the front, at the, at the medical staff and the front office for doing that. So, you know, you got a frustrated jazz team and you got a Grizzlies team that is playing with a lot of fire, a Grizzlies team that is playing, you know, the opposite mentality. There is no animosity in that Grizzlies room right now. And Dylan Brooks is playing with a lot of effort and they're all like totally bought in and the jazz are not right now. So here's what I think happened with that. I think that it was a borderline decision, whether or not he could play and what Utah's 
coaching staff might be thinking is that we got about the easiest matchup that we could have gotten in round one. We could be playing the Warriors right now, and then we might be a little bit scared. We could have been playing the Lakers right now, and then we might have been a little bit scared. But we're playing Memphis. We feel confident that we're better than them. So Donovan Mitchell, questionable to play. He might re-injure this. Let's sit him game one. Even if we lose game one, no big deal. We're confident we can still win this series. But then when you actually go out and lose that first game, you have to sit at home for a day or two and be like, we're down 1-0 in a series right now that we absolutely should easily win. Uh, so it's a lot more frustrating when it actually happens. Uh, right. At least that's my theory on what's happened. There's I think really you're no, right. I think you're there's right. There's no um, actual like reports backing that up, but that's what I thought happened. I think that's probably an accurate assessment of what happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about the Jazz and uh, Grizzlies. I, I know, you know, Morant, that's your guy, Matt. And obviously, you know, the Grizzlies, I, 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 I am kind of shocked that they're even here. I, I will say that much. I'm shocked to see them here. And then, of course, see them beat the Jazz is obviously impressive. Um, I had no idea about this whole like front office situation with the Jazz. That's like mind boggling to me that you can be, you know, 52 and 20, one of the best teams in the NBA and have this many issues within your management. And that's kind of been a thing for a while is the Jazz. Like I remember at the end of last season, there was the reports that Gobert and Mitchell didn't like each other. That was, I remember that from a while ago. It seems like these reports just kind of follow the jazz around where there's a little bit of turmoil in that organization. That, and this was just kind of a boiling point, I guess. But it seems like Mitchell will be back. And at that point, if Brooks doesn't keep playing like a superstar, it's probably still the jazz series to, series to lose. Unfortunately, yeah. Bladen, you said... um Oh, that you weren't a huge fan. Oh, you didn't say that, but you you maybe weren't as pro Luca as you should have been last episode. It's not that Did. I wasn't pro Luca. I didn't realize how good Luca actually was. Behind me, I have what I'm going to start calling the board of bad takes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I <laughs> starting off with a bang on that one. Yeah, <laughs> with, the, with what's up there right now. Luca equals Baker. Yeah, no. Um, I didn't realize Luca was that good. I knew he was good. But I didn't like I went and watched highlights immediately after and I was like, oh, my God, I just made like the worst take of all time. <laughs> but yeah, no, Luca went off. He went absolutely bizarre. The dude had a triple double. And, you know, to be fair, we, we talked about the Clippers about how, you know, last year they just kind of didn't show up. And I don't want to say that Paul George necessarily played bad, but he did shoot what two for eight from three. Like they, they just like, I feel like the Clippers, for whatever reason, they have all this talent. They just can't seem to quite pull it together. Well, it, it's definitely an uncharacteristic shooting game for the Clippers. I mean, they're the best three point shooting team in the league, at least yeah. percentage wise. And they shot under 30% from three. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen again, but it is kind of just the same Clippers not performing when they need to story. I know it's only one game, so I'm not saying yeah, that's going to be the rest of the series, but that's what it was uh, <laughs> the other day. Um, and then it's just Reggie Jackson shouldn't be, should not be getting 20 minutes. Uh, I have not been pro Reggie Jackson for a while. Um, I don't know. I just, Luca just has their number and it's not even like the Mavs are that well of a constructed five seat in my opinion. I really, right. like, Dingus, dude, Porzingis is bad and unhealthy. Like, like he's ill yeah. him. Yeah, no, Porzingis didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't even play well. Like, no, but I mean, the, the 
the Mavs do have some other shot makers. Uh, Luca was obviously knocking down everything, triple double. The Mavericks just have the Clippers' numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's as simple as it gets. Yeah, no, the Mavericks just they just took care of business. I was camping on the day that the that the Clippers Mavs game happened. I was out in the wilderness. I did, I didn't watch that one, so <laughs> I can't say what it looked like. Uh, I checked the stats. I saw that Luca obviously had a big game, as he usually does, and. Yeah, it's the Clippers. I mean, I was on here in the last episode just being wrong all the time. And I was talking about how the Clippers are a team that no one's talking about, that people should be talking about. And it seems like their time in the spotlight was last year and they're gone this year and that shouldn't have happened. But it, they have done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt, you know, like for a, yeah. going down 0-1. Like LeBron James and the Lakers, I mean, w- they were down an 0-1 in every series last year, right? And was, LeBron has been, twice, yeah, know. or they were down 0-1 in a couple series last year and LeBron has lost the first game. He does it all the time, loses the yeah. first game in the series, but he has the benefit of the doubt, you know, like where he can go down 0-1 and he's gotten out of it before. But the Clippers don't have that. You know, Paul George doesn't have the benefit, the thing, to fall, the proven results to fall back on. So when he does have a little bit of an off game in the playoffs, it's not like, oh, he played like Anthony Davis is like, oh, he was bad. But Paul George, like, if he's bad in the playoffs, there is no like, there's nothing to fall back on for him. It's so same, same it's concerning. Old, uh, it's con- <laughs> it's especially concerning for the Clippers to go down 0-1 more so than all the, the other Lakers. teams that are down yeah. 0-1. All the other favorites who are down 0-1. It's just going to come down to the making adjustments. You know, you can lose game one. Okay, Luca went crazy, had a triple double. You shot terrible from three. You lost by ten points. Happens. But if you come out next game and you know, I think Reggie Jackson needs to be playing less. Terrence Mann had zero minutes. Weird. And, and if you can't, if you can't game plan for Luke a little bit better, they're not going to win the series. They're putting Kawhi on him in the next game more, so that's probably about as good a game plan as you can get against. <laughs> I, I don't know why Kawhi wouldn't be on him to begin with. Put your best of like if yeah. Luca is their best player, put your best defender on him. Why wouldn't you? Because Paul George also, not Paul George, yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing about matchup, one-on-one matchups is you can't always get it like one-on-one. I know, I know. Like, all, it's, we always, we always say that. So, does. so yeah. like when you, it's like Luke on Kawhi, you can't just have Kawhi follow him no matter what. Yeah, um, that's fair. So in the second game, maybe they, it just got away from him and Luca just kind of got away from him. And then the second game, they're trying to make adjustments to get Kawhi on him more. Because I'm sure they want Kawhi on Luca. That would probably you'd probably <laughs> yeah. be, uh, probably have to talk about that, about that a little bit. But yeah, you can't you can't just be like just go follow him or it's not pickup ball. So you've got to make you've got to call plays that get Kawhi on Luca. And now with exactly. a game a game of film, you can kind of call those plays and try to get Kawhi in better situations. Your sons, <laughs> be proud of them. Hey, let's go! Yeah, I kind of feel bad for you, Theo. You didn't get to go to that game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not in Phoenix, so like I was camping. Well, I wasn't. I was back. I watched the Suns game. I watched the playoff games on the second day. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were. I was talking about Aiton, right? That was the Jaw and Aiton were the guys. I was like, I'm not sure if I trust them, and they both just have been nuclear and proved <laughs> me wrong. And Aiton, I mean, he wasn't the most you know physical game from him, which was my concern. Where it's like he doesn't back into P, he doesn't like dunk on people but what he was doing is had a very finesse type of game around the rim 
a lot of, you know, contorting his body, getting tough layups. And that's what he was, he's good at, you know, it wasn't like he was dunking all over people cause that's not his game, but he stuck to his game and the physicality, um, ended up not really mattering because AD was just off and he did a good I, job on, on off, AD. Off and, might be an understatement. Aiton yeah, had, was, Aiton had over twice as many rebounds. He had more offensive rebounds than Davis had total rebounds. Like Davis just like was totally non-existent. Non-existent, right. And Aiden shot like something ridiculous. He was like 13 of 15 or something ridiculous. He shot like 90%. It was insane to watch how efficient really all the Suns were, except for Chris Paul, who got hurt and like couldn't dribble the rest of the game. But Booker and Aiden just, just carried him. And it was awesome to see. My Devin Booker is going to do very well in the playoffs. TikTok has aged (laughs) very well so far. Um, yeah, the Suns played really well and I, I'm, I'm surprised by eight and it's not like he was just going one-to-one with Anthony Davis, just taking him like that. Right. Uh, but he's making good cuts, getting good rebounds and all that. I'm very worried about Chris Paul. I don't know how quickly that shoulder is going to get better. And if it doesn't, I think the Suns will lose a series. Um, yeah, no, Chris could, Paul. I mean, like he was not good when no, he, he was, he was terrible. All. He was terrible. He couldn't dribble. He could not. Yeah. And he couldn't get good looks because he couldn't dribble. And he, there was a lot of, fumbled passes that the Suns had. Um, they would they would pass it to a guy and he would just fumble it around and there were turnovers. They that game ended what, like 99-90? They yeah, were both yeah. held on. It was an ugly game. And Anthony Davis has been off since he's come back from his injury. Um in that Warriors game he had a good second half, but he was non existent the first half. At the back end of the like regular season, he was not himself. So maybe Anthony Davis is just not Anthony Davis right now. And he's still has some lingering issues and that just might be the way it is. And the Lakers don't win because of that, that, that could be, but you know, if he is, if he does, you have a return to form here, you know, you will need Chris Paul in a, in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Looking at the Lakers, they lost by nine points shooting 25% from three and 60% from the line. Um, And when you shoot like that, you're not going to beat anybody. And I would be very surprised. And it wasn't like they weren't getting open looks. They got open looks. They just couldn't get them to go. Um, And that's how it is some nights. Not to say that, uh, you know, I'm going to excuse how they played because Anthony Davis, my problem with him is that he could take Aiton one-on-one. I know he can do it. He did it in the regular season. He put up 40 points on him. But sometimes (laughs) he just settles for these like long mid-rangers. He wants to just like size up Davis instead of just backing them down and putting in the work, but it'll just right. settle for these long mid rangers that aren't really open and aren't good shots. I have no idea why yeah. he wants to do that for, for Drummond. <laughs> it's funny about him. You'll see him make like a good play. Like he'll get a good rebound or get a good put back. And then on defense, you'll just be watching that all of a sudden the Suns will have somebody wide open. You'll be like, how did that happen? And it's usually because Drummond was out of position somehow. If I'm the Lakers, I'm playing Anthony Davis at the five because I know he can play that. The reason why he plays the four is because he wants to be a wing more than he wants to be a center. And I get that because there's a lot of parts of being a center that I think isn't fun. But I legitimately think in this series, at least, I'd be much better off playing him at the five. I'm not putting in Drummond for nearly as many minutes. I don't think that defensively he helps him out as much as maybe he should. Now, I do like his physicality. Like, he is physical. Um, he can finish really well. He he did have a couple of rebounds where I'm like, wow, that was a really good rebound. But I don't know if it's worth what it does to the spacing and the mess-ups on defense. 
And then I'm I'm calling on LeBron to, you know, step up a little bit more, maybe be a little bit more aggressive as well. Not that he played terrible, but yeah. um, I kind of feel like he takes the feel out game maybe a little bit too much. Like <laughs> you can win game one, man. Like I don't know. <laughs> I'm not feeling nervous if I'm a Lakers fan or anything. Uh, but they they got to shoot better and they got to yeah. be aggressive yeah. next game. What I would be nervous, I would be nervous about Davis and just the way he's looked coming back. Because if Davis, if Davis has another bad game in game two, then it's like, okay, what is the problem here? Like he, he needs to get better fast. And that's how that's, that's, I think he's the key to all of this. So, well, Davis did, did look, the reason why I've been predicting Davis to actually do good is because he was looking, looking good up until like, the Warriors game or whatever. He dropped 42 on Aiton 15 days ago. Yeah. Was, yeah that was, that's not ancient history. Dropped no. 36 the game before that. Like he, he was playing a lot better, I thought. Um, but he's just had yeah. a rough couple of games. When he, I don't when know he first, when he first came back, he was, he was bad. And then he seemed to get a little better. And now he's bad kind of again. Maybe so. he could just be taking the feel out game, just like LeBron, you know? Just... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just so good that they just just don't they like maybe maybe lebron felt bad for his friend chris paul and was like <laughs> we'll let him, him a playoff and win. like oh we'll give him a win and anthony davis like chill out for a little bit let's let's let chris paul have his moment maybe that was what happened i don't know i i said lakers in six before i i thought the suns played well i thought devin booker was awesome um and like i see he was added a little a stretch of you know, not bad games, but games where it's a little bit like, okay, you can't have those kinds of games in the playoffs. He came out game one, just an acrobat, make it crazy stuff as he was in the bubble when every game was huge and he led him to eight and no. Like, I'm not worried about p- playoff Booker. And let this be, before we get to Blazers Nuggets, or yeah, Blazers Nuggets, I just hope Booker and what Trey Young did are an example in the future. And I know it's useless because it'll never happen for every single player who is really good on a bad team and gets the can't win label, which is the stupidest thing of all time. Yeah. Can we please like, please let Booker and Trey young when they, when they drop these huge games in the playoffs, once they finally get a team around them, like 99.9% of the time when a really good player is on a bad team it has nothing to do with the really good player, and he's just really good, even though they don't win. And Booker is a prime example of that because playoff clutch Booker has been phenomenal. And he had that narrative for a long time where he's like, ever since the 70 point game, when he kind of ascended into superstardom, where he's just a stat batter and he's not a winner, like, there's nothing that one individual player can do to be a winner. There, there isn't like it's, it's a team effort. And I hope that Booker is a, becomes a, a, a shining example of that in the future. And we can put that narrative to rest, even though that's uh, the only happening. thing that's going to put that narrative to rest is Steph Curry missing the playoffs right now. That that's why everybody's true. getting on Steph Curry. Nobody's like the only two reasons why anybody's getting on Steph Curry right now is they're either a troll or they're trying to prove a point because we've heard people say this about other players. Like for instance, Westbrook and his MVP season was in the exact same position that Curry was in now, but nobody was giving him a pass for losing in the first round. He had to go out there and win it. But now that it's Curry and, you know, he's one of the most popular players in the league, it happens to him. A lot of those fans, and it wasn't everybody, but a lot of those fans who thought that now have to, you know, kind of switch their opinion on that a little bit. 
All right, going into the other Western Conference game, that would be Blazers Nuggets. Uh, again, I thought you know the Nuggets they looked pretty good without Jamal Murray uh, in the past at the end of the regular season, and then they come out in the playoffs without him and just get the brakes beaten off of them. So, Matt, what was your what was your take on that? I thought the game was pretty like it's, I feel like it's one of those games where maybe people exaggerate a little bit about how much of a blowout it really was. I didn't think it was uh, that bad. I mean, they only lost by 14. Jokic did his thing uh, for the most part. Um, but Damian Lillard is still really good. That's the, that's yeah. the, I mean, <laughs> and you got a guy like that who, who's putting up, you know, like we, we've said before, he's kind of on and off. He's on. He was on last game and he might be on for the whole series. And there might not be anything that the Nuggets can do about that because I don't really, I don't love defensively who they have um, guard wise. And it honestly doesn't even really matter when it comes to a guy like Dame. They also shot like 50% from three. Um, and it's hard to imagine that they do that for the whole series a little bit. But I'm just trying not to overreact to one game. Michael Porter Jr. shot like garbage. He shot one for 10. But the confidence never wavers with him. And I really, I really doubt that he's going to keep shooting like that. So I'm not too worried about the Nuggets. Uh, the Blazers are just a team that has a ton on offense. And when you have a ton on offense, like not just Dame, but CJ McCollum and Carmelo, you're going to get games like that. That's the reason why, I mean, the Blazers made it to the Western Conference Finals before. That didn't happen by accident. Yeah, I mean, in the last episode, I said that I think Dame's style of play can be a little uh, volatile and that, you know, whether or not he's on or off is going to determine, you know, whether or not they can win. If he continues to play like this, they're going to win, like straight up. It's not even, you know, oh, can they stop it? They're not going to be able to. If Dame plays like this for the entire series, they're winning it. Right. And one thing, I mean, Carmelo Anthony, if I can just talk about him for a little bit, 18 points off the bench. When they signed him, you know, all those months ago, last year or before last year, right? This is his second season. I mean, I cannot believe, I mean, he's been good for like, he's been a good player on that playoff team. And I did not think when they signed him that he had anything left in the tank after him bouncing around and, you know, to have him and have his scoring ability and presence off the bench. I I'm just still surprised after his stints, you know, his post Knicks stints, which all just went so poorly and him being out of the league and no one wanted him for like two years. I thought there, there had to be a reason like there, he can't, like, and he's here and he's, he's, I wouldn't say he's crushing it. I mean, he's not like some superstar still, but like, I love to see him kind of proving everyone who didn't want him wrong yeah. and putting forward these good off the bench, six man performances in the playoffs. Yeah. It's just, you know, both these teams, I think are relatively even, even though we did go with the nuggets, I'll admit that like if the Blazers win this series, I'm not going to be surprised or anything. Yeah. Um, and I think when you shoot like the Blazers did, yeah, you're going to go out you're there gonna, and you're win gonna games. Win. All right, hitting the East now. We missed uh, Bucks Heat in the last... That was the one we didn't really make a prediction for. Um, that was the best game of... Maybe not the best. There was a lot of good games this weekend, but you know that one went to overtime. Middleton hit the game winner. Um, big, big, big series for Giannis, legacy-wise. Huge series. And... I'd love to see Giannis win. I I got the Wisconsin poster behind me. I do like Wisconsin sports and I love Giannis. So I hope they pull this out. I love Jimmy Butler too. Here in Minnesota, people don't like Jimmy Butler. It's got to be the number one place where 
like no one likes Jimmy Butler because of what he did at the end of his Timberwolves stint. And a lot of the people here just think he's like over. I think what he did at the end of the Timberwolves stint was pretty badass. Uh, but I love Jimmy. I love Giannis. Uh, this is a great rematch to see like, can Giannis's game trans like translate to the playoffs? Like can his kind of lack of jump shooting and, and can he survive a series like in the playoffs and actually have the type of game that translates to rings. And this is a series where if he loses it, then it I, even I, who's a big Giannis fan comes into question that comes into question, but to get that game one win. And if they can get past the heat again or not again, but after playing him again, uh, that, that would be big. So I was glad to see them win. We've talked a lot about um, different teams shooting poorly and losing because of it. The Bucks shot like 16% from three and one, right? Like that's that's ridiculous. I, I like I can't wrap my mind around that. Giannis shot over three from three. Middleton shot three for nine. Uh, Drew Holiday shot over five. Like, and they won. And that just that blows my mind. So I don't know. I feel like if they, if they shoot even a little bit better, they're you know almost guaranteed to win this season. I um I think this game bodes very well for the Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler did not play well. And it just kind of came down to, I mean, outside of uh, Goron, it didn't seem like a lot of guys had the juice offensively for the Heat. And they did a good job of guarding Giannis. And the Bucks shot bad, and they still won. Yeah. <laughs> they still won the game. Uh, because the Bucks' strength as a team isn't only Giannis, um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's their defense, too. Defensively, that team is ridiculous. The other, other big thing from that game, obviously, Chris Middleton, he has no problem going at players and creating his own shot. And I feel like the the NBA like fans sort of I don't I don't know what the word for it. Their mindset on what the type of player that Chris Middleton is has been slow to change. It's still almost like Chris Middleton's kind of like a spot up shooter. That's not who he is. He goes out there and really the last playoffs it was the same way. Uh, this playoffs, he's a fantastic defender, fantastic shooter. And he was just, I mean, he was just giving him buckets. Giannis, I didn't think played that well. He put up 26, 18, and 5. And I know when you're saying a guy can put up 26, 18, and 5, and that's a bad game. What does that say about that player? Yeah. Right. But the Heat were doing the exact same type of stuff. He was having a hard time. He's always had trouble against Bam. Bam is such a weapon against him. Bam was Bam was really good defensively. It's it's tough to tell where this series is going to go. It's like I th- another big thing is Tyler Hero. Can he actually play like he did last playoffs? Because I keep seeing him pull up for these like mid range shots, and he just can't get them to fall. And as from what I've watched this season, I haven't watched you know hundred Heat games, but I've watched a fair amount. It seems like more often than not, those shots aren't falling for Tyler Hero right now, and he's a young player, and that's the way that it yeah. is. Um, Hero, Hero got so overrated in the playoffs last year. It, the questions I saw posed with Hero were ridiculous. Would like t- Tyler Hero's untouchable in a James Harden trade? I wouldn't trade Tyler Hero if the first overall pick was what was offered. Tyler Hero is the next Devin Booker. They're the same player. It was like, I don't want to say I was rooting against him this year, but like, good (laughs) Lord, the amount of hype that he was getting after last playoffs needed to cool down a little bit. Like that was was, a little absurd. It was, it was insane. Some of the questions I saw get posed 
and he played awesome in the playoffs and like, you know, he could still be really good, but like, man, that was, that was, it's, it should be no surprise in my opinion that he's not quite, uh, with the expectations that were set on him this year to be like him, like being a elite guard is what people were talking about him. Like, and he's only, what is he like 21? Probably something like that. Like give him a break. He's a kid, (laughs) but I, I I don't know. I, the first bucks heat game, it was just so weird that I almost don't know how to judge. It's like the rest of the series going to be like this hard to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it, if the Heat want to win, you know, obviously Butler has to play better. You can't go out and go four for 22 from the field. Uh, if the Bucks want to win, you know, they could pr- honestly just shoot better from three and they would probably win it um, pretty easily. So, I mean, it could really go either way. Yeah, I think Giannis is going to struggle this whole series. I would expect him to not be his usual MVP caliber self just because Bam has consistently, consistently, it's a clear pattern at this point that Bam is really, really good at defending Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I would expect the rest of the series to look like kind of inefficient Giannis games. And then it comes down to, can Middleton continue to change that narrative on him that he's spot up and really kind of shoulder a load and then, you know, it, the Bucks are, are a deeper team. They're super deep and they're Different. better defensively. And is their coach, Bud, can he not choke and get fired? Like he probably will if they lose this series. You know, he's got to, you know, lean on his guys instead of, you know, doing what he's done in the past playoffs and not played them enough. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I would anticipate this being an ugly series the whole way through. Um, I don't think the, the bucks are going to get five lose in five games. Like they did last year. It was a pretty easy dispatch of them by the heat last year. I don't expect it to go like that, but I expect it to be ugly. I expect it to be inefficient and defense heavy. And I don't know. I, I expect the bucks to win it, but you know, it could go either way. The big difference is holiday. They have more than one guy who can do that now. Last and Bledsoe's not there at- to sell them. Bledsoe's not there to pack them <laughs> up and sell and sell the game to. You know, he was he was so bad. He and he has been so. His absence is going to do more than anyone else's presence. It was it was rough to watch. Well, I guess that kind of takes us into uh, Nets and Celtics, and uh, I, I know that you know we talked about this game a little bit. And this is, you know, one of those games where it's supposed to just be how long is it going to take Boston to win it? I think that's exactly what we saw. I think that's one of this is one of the only games where Brooklyn what we thought would it. happen. Or yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I said Boston. Yeah, this is this is one of those uh, one of the only games where we saw exactly what we predicted happen. Yeah, Nets have got. I think the Nets have got it in the bag. Uh, I don't know how much I want to talk about it. That <laughs> there's just not much to say. They played bad and won by eleven. Yeah, I mean the Nets are the better team. They have better players. I, I like some of these series. There just isn't going to be much to talk about. Um, and this is definitely one of them. The Nets have way too much firepower for the Celtics to handle. I thought Tatum played pretty well. And even though the Nets started off super cold and Kevin Durant couldn't hit anything at first, by the end of the game, it wasn't close. There were some calls in that game that I didn't love. I didn't think the refs did a particularly good job. Um, but I don't, nothing, nothing different than what we expected happened in that right. game, one at least. Yeah, I had some Celtics fans saying that they want us to uh, slander 
Tatum because you know everyone I slandered just went off uh, <laughs> last weekend. So maybe if I say enough bad things about the Celtics, they'll have a shot. But uh, <laughs> this is some catch twenty two. But I don't think that's gonna happen. So moving on to Wizards Sixers, <laughs> which is probably a little that series. Um, I mean, they they did a good job on Embiid. The the Wizards do, and the Wizards have. You know, their their second half of the season, I think that people are still kind of people have their priors on them. And the prior on the Wizards is that they suck because they got off to such a bad start. And it's hard to believe that they're, you know, good after they were so bad. And it's hard to change people's minds on that because they already have their priors in their head. But their interior defense did a really good job in, on Embiid. Ben Simmons can just dunk and that's been the case for a while. And it just becomes every time that he has a chance to prove people wrong, he doesn't. And I don't know. I know that the wizards lost this game, but I feel like they've got to be the, the 76ers have to be a little nervous for the rest of the series and really the rest of this playoffs. Cause I don't know. I, I thought the wizards looked, looked okay. And I thought the, the 76ers just didn't really look like they had the firepower to make a deep run in this game. I, I, I'm not too worried about the 76ers right now. I don't know how they'll fare up against, uh, you know, the Nets or whatever. But anytime you're sitting here saying that a team did good in a playoff game that they lost and that you're happy with how they did, that tells you all you need to know right. about your expectations for that team. It's the same thing with the Celtics. They played well and lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those, I didn't think the Celtics played particularly bad. They just lost, and same thing with the Wizards. They didn't play particularly bad. Westbrook wasn't efficient, particularly from the field. I think he had more shots than points, that's, if I remember That's a right. shocker. I can't believe it. Um, but I, I thought that, okay, so you, you say they did a good job on Embiid, and Simmons didn't really do anything, and they still won the game. And how many points did they end up hanging on them? I mean, like, one... 20? 25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess. Stupid. And that's because, I mean, Tobias Harris went crazy. I don't know yeah, if he's going to That's, gonna that's the game, other but... thing where it's like, there's always regression. And in every series, you know, we've talked about it pretty much every time where we're, we've said, that's not going to happen again. And everything kind of balances out. Um, Tobias Harris is probably not going to do that every game. It's probably more consistent. I think it's more consistent because one thing that is going to happen again is Ben Simmons is not going to shoot well again. So I don't know. I feel like if I were the Sixers, this is a good win. And I, I anticipate him getting by the Wizards. But I, I don't know if I like the 76ers to win two. And, even and, and one Embiid, seed. I didn't think Embiid even played that bad, if I'm being completely honest. I thought he did perfectly fine. Didn't he put I, up 30? Yeah, like he I thought he played well. <laughs> Yeah, you put up thirty. You played good. I don't care. Like, <laughs> fair enough. I, I mean, thought maybe he didn't have like a super super dominant game or anything. But I mean, that's if if thirty's not good enough, that's pretty big expectations for them. Fair the Sixers enough. will win fair this enough. series easily. Maybe the Wizards get one game if Westbrook goes crazy. Um, but I I like Philadelphia in this series and probably in the next series that they play too. Right. Yeah. I don't know with Embiid. Embiid played well, I guess. I just thought that considering who the Wizards' interior defense is, it's kind of a no-name team outside of the, the two-star guards. Um, I thought they did a better, even though, yeah, he did have a he did have a good game statistically, I guess. Um, I feel like, I feel like, I just don't like the Sixers, like their odds. I just don't like, I don't, it comes down to Simmons. I've, <laughs> I just don't think, I think you need to score more than him to be a, a great guard. And if they have Embiid, and I feel like 
he's just kind of, I, I don't want to say he's by himself because they have a lot of other good players, but I don't know. I, I didn't think, I didn't think the Sixers showed me anything that I didn't already know about them to make me change they're, my mind on they're that. They're built a little funky. That's they the are. thing about the Sixers. That's they're fair. just built a little funky. They don't really have like a consistently elite perimeter creator. I really like Seth Curry. Tobias Harris just played really well. Um, but Simmons doesn't have that outside perimeter creation, but he's great on defense and get like 15. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a strange team, but I still feel pretty good about them making the Eastern conference finals. I didn't really see anything that I wasn't expecting to see in that game. Yeah. I feel like if there is a team this year that meets the same fake fate as the bucks last year, it's the 76ers. That's my, probably the bucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be quiet. <laughs> details, details. <laughs> uh, but All right, moving on the to best, Knicks yeah, Hawks. The best game was Knicks Hawks. Yeah, that was also and a I've, crazy I've already game. got, I've, I've been brewing up a bold take for this one. All right, go for it. Trey Young is the Michael Thomas of the NBA. All right, I can like, I can see that. Absolutely. He is so ridiculously underrated. People, he just had one of the, like one of the coldest playoff moments and like a while. He, they were chanting, like, cha- I mean, they were chanting at Trey Young. He hits game winners and then says it's quiet and hits a game winner and says it's quiet in here. That's yeah. so cold. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if, like, imagine if Kobe did that. We'd be talking about that forever, and rightfully so because it's a sweet moment. He did that in Madison Square Garden. I know that sometimes he hunts for fouls, but that doesn't mean he's not a great player. Um, so I think he's overhated and awesome. Just like I said that. on on our high pitch takes account. I said that he might be the best guard in the league earlier. I mean, last <laughs> really early in the season. I don't think I don't think he's better than Curry now. But early in the season, I thought maybe Curry wouldn't be. I I, I there was a, Harden was like kind of sitting out, and I, Curry was kind of old. He wasn't totally on fire yet, and I thought you know maybe Trey Young because Trey Young last year he was shooting thirty. He, 30 points a game, nine assists a game. His field goal percentage was good. Like that's ridiculous numbers. He didn't even make an all-star team this year. And it's the same thing with Harden, right? Harden was also slandered unnecessarily for a long time because he hunts for fouls and NBA fans hate that. They hate it. And it is annoying. And it's, I like this Michael Thomas comparison because that's probably like the slant boy, you know, free (laughs) throw. It becomes like so much of like, it's like more of a Mickey Mouse production. It it. does become like actually valid hate. (laughs) No, Um, yeah. I see where you were going with that. Like maybe if he had kept improving from that. And you see like the path and then maybe if Curry had gotten worse. Yeah. Um, Trey Young also got was, off to a ridiculously hot start this season. Yeah. If people remember that. Um, but from, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be careful with that. Cause Curry can shoot like, yeah, no, and I, I regret saying that, but I do love, I do love Trey Young. Um, I remember we were taught, we were debating Trey Young or Ben Simmons a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm running that poll at the end of the season, no matter what I've yeah. run that poll three times this season. We all I mean, agree. Um, we all agree we would been? take Trey Young, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely. take Trey Young. <laughs> um, and I like Ben Simmons. I think he's fun to play with in 2k. I think he's fun to watch. I think you know, any, anybody who's that big and can like move that well, is just, I mean, it's just interesting to see them go play basketball. You just have to be able to develop your game, but like it's 2021. I can't, you, you got to shoot. <laughs> you have any player who can't shoot is hurting their team at this point. Um, yeah. And you can be like, well, if he was a power forward, it's like, well, power, even forwards power can forwards shoot, can man. shoot. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I would... The Simmons-Young debate is a very interesting one. I'm always Team Young. I think Team Young has been, or Trey Young, I, I love to see him. And we I predict the Knicks to win in seven. And when I was watching that game, I don't know how the Knicks are as good as they... They started Alfred Payton was in their starting five. <laughs> and I saw that. I saw that announcement. I'm like, why did I pick this team to win? Because the Hawks are so talented if compared to the Knicks. Like in terms of star power, in terms of offensive talent. And I saw the right before the game, they were like announcing the starting lineup. So I'm like, the Knicks are not in the same class in terms of talent. But I mean, they could have, they were in that game till the very, I mean, they easily could have won that game and they could still win the series. It's just insane that the Knicks are as good as they are with the roster that they have and just the lack, the lack of star power that they have and Alfred Payton is in their starting lineup in the playoffs and you know yeah yeah I mean I said I said before I I think the Knicks probably aren't going to be able to win this series mostly because this just feels like out of nowhere magical how in the hell are you even here type of season and and I and I don't know if they're going to be able to you know go out there and compete with these ultra talented teams even if they somehow manage to win this series in seven you know, I don't know who they play after this, but they, they, I don't think they can win against these ultra talented teams. I think I think we got to chill a little bit. Um, the Knicks lost in heartbreaking fashion uh, at Madison Square Garden, but I'm not ready to bury them yet because I don't think the Knicks are going to look like that. Or I'd be very surprised if that's how the Knicks games went from here on out. Alec Burks is not going to outplay Julius Randle for the rest of this series. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet. And if he does, uh, yeah, the Knicks are in trouble, but the best player in this series is supposed to be Julius Randle. He's supposed to be better than, I mean, he's probably going to be on an all NBA team. Um, and he played like garbage. He couldn't hit anything. Uh, so that's got to change. I, I don't even know if that was really anything. And the that's Hawks the thing about the, and that's the, the thing about the Knicks is they just seem to be built on this house of cards where it's, they're relying on Julius Randle to be like a top 10 player in the league. Like just step back and think about that. And it's like, maybe like he'll win most improved and he's like the most improved player. If you took an award of all the most improved winners and had to pick one most improved of all the most improved players of the past, like 20 years, you'd have to point at Julius Randle and be like, that's a ridiculous amount of improvement. But I just still to the, I mean, even though it's been a full season, it's like, man, we are really relying on Julius Randle right now to be this crazy all NBA. And, and he comes out in the playoffs and he looks a little bit more like the Julius Randle of old. And he doesn't look like, all-star insane Julius Randle. I don't know. It just seems like it's kind of built on a soft foundation in Julius Randle and Alfred Payton being guys that you're heavily, heavily lying. It just is so crazy well, to me. I, and I, I think that I'm not ready to bury the Knicks after this game. We neither, could be sitting here saying the same thing about the Hawks if Trey Young had played a shitty game. Right. Because, yeah, your star, your best player can't play that bad and you, you win games in the playoffs. Yeah. They're still a great defensive Fair. team. I know Trey Young give, gave them fits. Um, but if anybody's going to be able to make adjustments for that, it's Thibodeau. I would be stunned if Randall doesn't play better. I mean, you've got to figure that out. Right, right. He'll, he'll play better. I just... Thing. Yeah. Um, because I didn't feel like it was the Hawks doing anything to him as much as it was him doing things to him. Right. Um, because some days, you know, the shots just aren't falling. 
Uh, Derek Rose looked really good. I think that'll keep up. Alec Burks looked really good. I don't know if he's going to be able to play like that for the rest of the series, but if he can be that good for the rest of the series and they can make some adjustments on defense and Randall can come back a little bit, they, they can still make this competitive. They can yeah. still win. If we're transitioning into the last thing, it's like who can complete an upset? Because a lot of underdogs won last weekend. What is the team that is going to be able to complete the upset? Are you changing any of your picks? We had a, a, a lot of predictions in the last episode. If I could change one of my picks, I would change. I think the Hawks will beat the Knicks after that first game. That would be the one where I think I don't I would, disagree I with switch. you, but mainly because I have like Knicks and seven and that's an ultra close series. Right. And now that, okay, the Hawks go get the first game at Knicks. Then like, yeah, okay. I would have felt like now I feel better about them because I think it's a seven game series. I don't know. I think of completing the upset and the Suns do count as an upset. I think, uh, even though they are uh, yeah, the higher that's seed, so tough. Th- I, they are, they are underdogs. That, that is really tough. Yeah, let me, let me think about that one for a minute. Yeah. I would go, I would go Hawks after the first weekend. I mean, they all, I, I feel like the, I mean, even the Grizzlies, I talked about it a little bit earlier where they're just playing with more of a fire. So you could really pick any of them. I don't know. See, I want to pick the Blazers, but I feel like they don't count as an upset that much. They do. I think that counts. I, I, I guess yeah, the it Blazers would definitely be the pick to go. I mean, they're that. That's that's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning Blazers, maybe Mavericks, and again, that's just more. I have no idea if Paul George is going to step up and play some playoff basketball. But right now, I'm leaning. If I had to pick a team to complete an upset, I would. I would definitely go Trail Blazers. All right, Matt, make your choice. No research, gut feeling. To complete the upset? To um, complete an upset. Yeah, if you count the Hawks as an upset, I'd go them. Fair um, enough. But I don't really think that's that much of an upset. I thought that was a pretty yeah, dead like even a, series to begin yeah, with. I, 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 don't love with the, I don't love the Suns' chances unless Anthony Davis keeps playing bad. If he plays better and, with, and then you're banking on Chris Paul's shoulder being healthy, uh, there's a lot of questions there. Grizzlies, I love them. I feel like I believe in them maybe more than the average person, but even like I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that an eight seed is going to be the one seed after one game. <laughs> I feel good. I thought that Luca looked really good against the Mavs, uh, not against the Mavs, against the Clippers, but I still, I mean, after one game, you don't know enough because you want to see the adjustments. After the second game, even if the Clippers, like even if it is tied 1-1 after that, after the second game, you see the adjustments that they make, then you'll have a better idea of how the rest of that series is going to go. Um, but yeah. first games are feel-out games. But your answer is the Hawks. Sure, yeah. All right, I'm also with the Hawks. I think the Suns, I'm a little bit, I know I always say I pick against the Suns, but uh, I pick against my favorite team. You're, but, either, um, uh, you're either happy or you're right. I'm either happy or I'm right. Um, I do feel a little bit better about the Suns after watching the first game. I I, I think that Chris Paul's shoulder will be will, they'll they'll load him up on painkillers. They'll they'll feed him some Vicodin. He's gonna be I don't know where his head will be at, but his shoulder will be feeling good. <laughs> I'm not too too worried because he did come back into the game. It wasn't so bad that it was. He obviously had to stay out. Um, he didn't look great, but he did hit one really, really tough shot that was keyed on the stretch. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I do feel a little bit better about the Suns than I did before. All right. Well, I think that wraps things up on our end. We would love to thank you all so much for joining us today, as always. Don't forget to do all the things you're supposed to do on a podcast. You know, subscribe, rate, review. 
Um, and of course, you know, you can leave us a voicemail at 614-349-8050, or you can email us at stayhotpodcast at gmo.com. And we're going to do another mailbag episode soon. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Send us your questions and, uh, see y'all next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com